Good evening, everybody. Uh, welcome to our Q&A for God's Own Country. Uh, I'm Kate, you're a film critic. I'd like you to welcome director Francis Lee and actor Josh O'Connor. Now, I, I think you'll probably all be feeling what I felt the, the first two times I saw this film, which is you felt it came out of the, the blood and the guts and the soil, and it also seems to have come out of your kind of guts. Tell us, tell us how, it's, it's just very, very strong, and how you decided to make this and, and when it came to you. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for staying. <laughs> it's really nice to see you. Um, uh, so, yes, um, so I grew up on the hillside very close to where this film was shot, and my dad is still a sheep farmer on that hillside, and it was the landscape, really, that, that I wanted to explore, and the people who live and work there. And I think that I had... Um, I'd never really seen the world in which I was from depicted on screen in a way in which I saw it. Um, yeah, and it I, wasn't James Herriot. Was no. It? no. No, it was a little <laughs> bit cold and wet and a little bit miserable. Um, and, and there was just something about this landscape that it, in the same sense felt incredibly freeing and wild and creative, but also incredibly difficult and problematic and brutal. Um, and, and so that was the inspiration really for the story. Um, and then I was thinking about this character, Johnny, and, and then everything kind of came around him. I guess I was also, you know, um, thinking at the time about the hardest thing I'd ever had to do in my life, which was falling in love, and uh, how difficult that can be to make yourself vulnerable enough mm. to love and be loved and accept intimacy. And so those, all those things kind of collided, and, and, and that's where this came from. Uh, now, Josh, um, tell us, you auditioned, were you, were you working, because you're in the Durrells, aren't you? Um, so were you in Greece when you auditioned for this and sent in a, a um, tape? I was, I was shooting the Durrells. Yeah. I, I, we shoot sort of um, on location in Corfu, and then we come back to London and shoot uh, the interiors in Ealing Studios. So I was in Ealing <laughs> and um, got this uh, screenplay through, and... Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. On, honestly, probably the 100% the best screenplay I'd read. Um, so I fell in love with it immediately and kind of had this um, immediate affection for Johnny um, from the off. And, and that's hard because, you know, he doesn't, give, he doesn't give too much at the beginning to kind of um, to grasp onto. You can say that. <laughs> um, no, but I think, I think in, in the sense that, I, you know, I think he's... he's um, he is struggling uh, with the farm and emotionally, and that came through uh, in this unbelievably detailed um, screenplay. So to then follow that and see this arc that you, you, is so rare for an actor to actually mm. have an opportunity to play that unbelievable arc, mm. to go from this character at the beginning of the film to a character at the end that isn't totally transformed, but that is taking the first steps into a potential mm. transformation. Um, and I loved that, and I loved the idea, I know Francis um, loves this, but um, I loved the idea of the, the hopefulness of yeah. the ending of the film. Um, so that was when I first 
read it and sent a tape to Francis. Who thought you, you thought it was from Yorkshire, didn't you? I did, yeah. <laughs> I got this tape and um, I remember watching it and I was really drawn to Josh to begin with because I really like his ears. And, <laughs> and, then, and then I saw his hands and he had these, like, show your hands, Josh. He's got like really <laughs> massive hands, and I thought, oh, they're manual workers' hands. And and then I was like, I was convinced he was from the north because I didn't know Josh or his work, and and so I was convinced he was from the north somewhere. I couldn't put my finger on where. And then he delivered this really emo beautiful, emotionally repressed, difficult reading, and and my only reservation was, oh, I was a bit like, oh, maybe he's a bit, he's a bit going to be difficult to see <laughs> something going on inside him that I can't quite put my finger <laughs> on. Anyway, so I met him. He, he, he was then available and he came to meet me and I was really shocked because, you know, jo Josh is like the total antithesis of this character. He's like a beautiful, funny, open, you know, lovely, posh boy from Cheltenham Spa. <laughs> and, and, but very quickly, when we started to work together in the room, I, I, I realised he has this incredible rare gift as an actor where, where he can transform himself physically and emotionally, and that really turned me on. Um, and once I'd explained to him we were going to you know, work like for three months on the character before we would get to the shoot, everything in the film almost everything in a film would be for real. Mm. And, um, you know, he would, he would have to go and work on a farm for weeks to learn how to birth lambs and put his hand up inside a cow and build dry stone walls and all of that kind of thing. And he was so excited mm. by that prospect. He, he, he was absolutely perfect. Because when you see it on screen and you see how sort of cold your nose is and the breath and the, the raw red hands, um, and it turns out that all that suffering was, in fact, true, yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, workers' rights on set, I'd be worried about. <laughs> well, yeah. Tell us a bit about that. <laughs> that was a bit when you were ill. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, it was, it was um, hard. It was hard work. But it, I, it's kind of strange because it, it, it always felt um, so safe. Though Francis had created this um, environment on set that felt supportive, um, and understanding, and you know, if you were finding it genuinely difficult, you know, I mean, if I was to go to Francis and say I'm a bit cold, mm. you know, he'd say get over it. But I mean, if, you know, if, if, you, if you were finding something difficult, then you always knew that Francis was there. Mm. So it never felt like we were throwing ourselves off a, pre a precipice. I, you know, it felt um, it felt safe, um, which is possibly why, you know, Alec and I and Gemma and Ian felt able to kind of go so far with those performances. Um, on top of that, you know, the, the process leading up to day one of uh, the shoot was lengthy. You know, Francis and I met for coffee and would call on, on the phone, all, you know, almost every day in the lead up. Um, and then I worked on a farm for two weeks before the farm we filmed on. And so actually by the time that I was doing, you know, full shifts on a farm, for two weeks, you know, being on a film set is pretty sweet. So, yeah, it never felt, it never felt um, too much of a struggle. Yeah. Um, now, one of the things um, I, I actually was reading about this, and you mentioned that you make a book, you had made a book which included smells mm. of the farm 
mm. in the book and pictures. And could you tell us a bit? Because that, that's really deep mining directing mm. going on here. Um, what, what is that? I guess for me, you know, what I love about cinema is when you go into a dark room like this with other people and you turn your phone off and the, the film starts and you go on that journey. And it, I love it when it feels immersive, when it feels like you can almost feel the cold or the, you can smell it. You can, you know, there's a texture to it. Mm. And I couldn't, I couldn't find the words to describe that to people mm. when, I was, when I was talking about this film. So I created, um, I guess, like a scrapbook Mm. with images, with, with smells, with sounds, mm. um, with textures and stuff. And, and so I could go and go, well, you know, this is what it will feel like, you know, and there would be like... What, what were the smells? The smells would be dank, <laughs> generally, <laughs> damp, dark, um, you know, kind of that, uh, that lanolin you get in sheep when they get wet. Um, There's wood burn. You gave me that incense stick. Yeah, like the smell of wood burning, um, all that kind of thing. Um, but just because I think that all of those senses, we operate on those senses when we watch film and we key into it. And, and I wanted to try and translate that to, to other mm. people. So everybody knew what kind of film we were going to be making. This is a question for both of you. Obviously, you've been to you know Sundance, Berlin, Edinburgh. This, this film's gone everywhere all the festivals, what was the reaction of the audience to your portrayal of homosexuality down on the farm? I mean, because in a way it's very normal in, in a sense that, you know, that's part of his life when, when the film starts. It's not like some big coming out deal, but it, it, he comes out from within himself, but it, it's, it's, it's not necessarily what no. the obvious thing would be. No, I guess, you know, I, again, the film isn't autobiographical. I mean, my family would have a fit if they thought that was them. <laughs> so it's not autobiographical, but it is personal. And, um, and issues around sexuality had never been an issue, like in the community where I grew up mm. on that hillside. It was just like, well, whatever, get on with it. You know, that was about as much interest as they paid, um, which was very disappointing. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so I wanted, I wanted this very much to be not about sexuality, but about a lad who, uh, who needs to open up to love and be loved and to accept intimacy mm. and pleasure. And I think audiences have responded incredibly positively to that. And we have been all around the world. And I guess, you know, when we go to a country with the film, like when we premiered it in Romania, mm -hmm and um, they're going through an interesting time where, they're try where there's a, a, I think a, I think it's a right-wing um, Christian party is trying to change the Romanian constitution. Because at the moment in Romania, in, in, the, in the constitution, it says marriage is between two persons. And they're trying to change it to make it between a man and a woman. Mm. And so this film took on a lot more significance in a country like that. And they got behind it. And, and they, they felt, therefore, it was a film they really wanted to celebrate. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of been the message everywhere we've been, is that I don't, you know, I don't think... I think that people just see it as a story about yeah. two people. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if we're lucky enough, most of us, I guess, have fallen in love or unlucky enough to have our mm. hearts broken or whatever, you know.
Yeah, no, no, it's incredibly, it's incredibly moving. Um, now, the other thing about this film is, is it landed, obviously, as you know, I think on the, on the virtual morning of Brexit, you were watching yes. the, the edit and, and everything about immigrant workers and all its stories suddenly became sort of a just disturbingly real. Uh, and what did you feel about that? I mean, is, is that just because you'd felt that in the air? You'd met someone who was in... What? Yeah, so, so I used to be an actor. Um, I, I, I don't know if I was ever particularly good as an actor, but I was lucky, so I did work. But I, when I made my first short film about, I guess, six or seven years ago, I, that was when I decided I didn't want to do the acting anymore and I, I was going to be confident and you know, state I'm going to make films. So I gave up acting and I got a job in a, um, like a salvage yard, mm. like a scrapyard, a salvage yard. And one of the guys I worked with was from Romania and we became very good friends. Um, and he moved to this country like lots of other people to, for more opportunity for him and his wife. And I was really shocked and ashamed mm. of, of his experience of coming mm. to this country to work. Um, but I was amazed at the way in which he dealt with it mm. and the positivity in which he dealt with it. Mm -hmm. And so that was the starting point, really, for, mm. for Georgi, was to address this issue of migration, but from a very personal, emotional level, not as a big political mm. thing. And when I wrote the film, I don't even think a referendum had been muted. Mm. And I hadn't really thought about it. Mm. And then... We went in, me and the editor, Chris Wyatt, went in to watch a, the cut of the film, mm. pretty much what you guys have seen tonight. On the morning, the referendum result was mm. announced and we sat in silence and watched the cut and then we sat in silence a bit more and we turned to each mm. other and said, I think we've made a period piece. <laughs> um, and, and there were lots of moments in it that seemed to take on different significance, but we mm. didn't re-edit it or because of the referendum, it just, mm. that's mm. just how it was. Josh, what's the difference between working with Francis and working with a normal director? <laughs> normal, <laughs> right? Well, no, but it's interesting. With it? other How did he affect, I mean, I know you yeah. said you felt comfortable, but how did he affect your performance? I mean, he's an actor, you know. It, yeah, it, I actually, what, yeah, I think that's, a really, a, that. that's a really helpful um, part of it. I, it like, I, th I think, um, it sounds like a really simple thing, but the, the idea of working with directors who, um, who have a, a deep respect and understanding for act, uh, directors who have deep respect and understanding for actors is, um, I'm, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure how regular and, and frequent that is actually. And, Fran and I think Francis uh, gives so much time uh, to process that um, inevitably you feel like you're collaborating, and, and so you take ownership of, of what you're doing. Mm. And it's, again, it sounds really simple, but actually it means that, you know, when, you step, when I stepped up, when I got up to Yorkshire, um, you know, we talk, you talk about Francis' sensory book. I mean, mm. by the end of the shoot, I had my own book of senses and pictures and things that I kind of pulled together. It's the, my Johnny book. And, it's, and it's, such a, it's such a kind of, amazing and rare experience to have this collaboration where you have a, sp a script that I don't think changed from when I read it to when we started shooting 
um, that was so detailed, so visual, so sensory, and then a director who was like, despite the fact that this is, that this is what we're going to make, mm. go, go and create this character, mm. like, let's do it together. That, that's an amazing thing, and, and I think a really rare thing. So I say from, from a director's point of view, there's that. There's also the fact that it's very rare that you kind of end up being very good friends with a director, and that's happened. <laughs> um, so yeah, so but it's I mean every everyone's different, and I like I, you know you cherish kind of any director and their and their way and their process, mm. and your job is to adapt and work in the way that mm. best serves the the, the project you're yeah. working on. But certainly this is a pleasurable one. So yeah. Now, this is, there's certain questions you can do for a BAFTA audience that you don't do for your, you know, your local cinema audience. And um, you told me some absolutely fascinating things about the sound design, which, as a critic, I didn't spot whatsoever, that you'd taken the whole sound off the film and every single bit of birdsong and every single bit of wind. There's a special bit of wind that accompanies Georgi. He has his own sound like Peter and the Wolf. And you should have been paying attention to know that when he comes on, a specific wind noise occurs that's different from the other wind noises. And I just thought, that's fantastic detail. So explain, explain a little bit about the wind noises and the bird noises, because I love that. Uh, yeah, so I, I am very um, obsessed by sound. And um, sound, to me, communicates as much as the visuals, and sometimes more. I find it very emotive and I have very sensitive hearing. And so I want, uh, like, showing the world visually, this world visually how I see it, I also wanted to hear it how I hear, hear, hear it. Mm. But I wanted to orchestrate the sound. So, so as Kate says, we, we, we took all the sound off it and then rebuilt it. And I sent the um, sound designer, Anna Burtmark, up to Yorkshire and got her recording hours and hours of atmospheres, different winds, different birds, the interiors, doors closing, doors opening, the interiors of the Land Rover, everything. And then in the edit, Chris Wyatt, the editor and myself, started to, we had this huge bank of sound we could play with. And I knew I didn't want music, really. I wanted very little music. I wanted the sound to be the soundscape. Um, and I wanted to build layers in with that and metaphors. And so, as you say, Georgi arrives and he brings a very specific wind sound with him. And every time you see him, that wind will be there. And then when he leaves, he leaves that wind sound to remind Johnny, a little bit like a chorus, if you like, a, a, a Greek chorus of what's gone. Mm. There's a hole there. Same with the birds. You know, the birds are very specifically chosen. And the time when you hear them is very specifically plotted. Because the curlew, you were yes. saying. So that you, the first time you hear a curlew, I think, if I remember, is the first time the boys touch after Johnny's hurt his hand. And you hear a curlew. Now, for me, a curlew is not only a native bird of that moor, but also it's like a harbinger of spring, of renewal, new hope, transformation. Um, and, and you hear it when the boys get together. Swallows you hear when the boys are having um, a, a lovely moment in bed together because, you know, swallows, they, can't, they, they migrate, they come back to the UK in spring again. They mate for life. Um, there are all these little metaphors that all these birds and little sounds and, and, and everything added for me, for mm. the layers and textures and, and, and feeling. 
That's wonderful. Um, now, I'm sure you have many questions. We've got, I think, two microphones, have we? Yes, on either side. So if you would like to raise your hands um, and ask anything. Ooh. Or just spontaneously rise. And <laughs> well, I will ask another question while you consider your questions, which is, um, tell me a bit about uh, the cinematography, because one of the things that happens here is you are very sparing of those wide, beautiful views of, you know, your hills. You're quite mean about that. <laughs> You're really tight on the boys' faces. Um, yeah, well. so, so I worked with Joshua James Richards, who's this incredible, driven artist, mm. um, cinematographer. And um, we, again, worked for three or four months before the shoot, and we started off with a massive range of paintings and photographs and images. And we would talk all the time and condense these images down, honing what we wanted this film to look like. And, and really what we wanted to do was see the effect the landscape had on the characters rather than the landscape mm. because that's how I'd experienced it growing up there you know we didn't go for walks you didn't go outside if you didn't <laughs> have to because it was cold and wet and miserable and you wouldn't go out and, and look at a view and consume a view in that sense you would have your head down and your hood up and your hands in your pockets mm. so we we wanted to go through this journey with Johnny and we wanted the character very close mm. how did that feel Josh, when you were constantly yeah, again, again, it's, I think, credit to Francis and, and Joshua um, for, we, we had, you know, obviously, for me, the, the relationship on the, in this um, story is mm. Georgie and Johnny. But for me as an actor, the, the relationship of this film was between Alec, obviously Francis, Alec, I, and Joshua. I mean, mm. the camera was the third person in this relationship right and so you kind of within you're filming some very difficult scenes together as well <laughs> yeah but it's it was it was strange again it's credit to everyone for making an environment where that didn't um didn't feel odd didn't feel uncomfortable we always it was a presence but it was part of the environment it was part of the world that we were kind of living and mm. again that's down to how much we put into how much work we put into our characters that by mm. the time we stepped on on set the fact that there's you know um trucks going past bringing in equipment or whatever mm. it was we were focused and it was all about focus and all about being remaining in character remaining focused on, on our journey and what scene was going where and mm. um so it never felt it just felt part of this um, this story really it was it was really important when I was looking at the key crew members particularly the cinematographer because of the idea that it, the boys were going to have to do some stuff that could have been very uncomfortable mm. of getting somebody who's not just a brilliant cinematographer and got the film mm. but also a lovely human being so yeah. he could form a bond with the boys yeah. and he could be part as josh says part of the team and and mm. support that rather than being you know distant or or yeah. for them to feel uncomfortable with his presence yeah that's very simple um no oh, the questions hey. are boiling up okay dan round the bottom here just whoever's first that's great just gentlemen on the end hi um the uh, the um, actor who played sorry if I mispronounce this Georgi 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 
uh, was very charismatic. And, uh, you know, when he slammed the guy's head into the bar, it just seemed utterly natural, you know, kind of almost a John Wayne moment or something. And, I mean, I know that's a sort of cheap shot, but he was very charismatic. I just wondered um, how you found him. Uh, did uh, would, Does he live over here or did you have to... Uh, uh, look at a lot of tapes, or just just curious. I know it's an idle question, but I, th I thought he was very good. You were very good too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, yes, yeah, so that's uh, uh, Alex Sakarenu plays Georgi, and um, Josh is laughing because I always pronounce his name wrong. Um, is it, is <laughs> that was right. Oh yeah. Always puts emphasis on it. Um, and um, we cast him in Bucharest in Romania, so worked with a brilliant casting director there who sent over loads of self-tapes of boys. Alec instantly kind of um, stood out because Georgi's actually an incredibly difficult part to pull off. You know, it, it's very subtle what he does. And to get that balance right of that openness and that emotion and that generosity, but not being a pushover and not being a walkover was very difficult. And Alex, such an intelligent, focused actor, it just um, kind of came straight out of the tape. But he had a really terrible haircut. He had like <laughs> half his, like he had this really long bit of hair down here and this shaved. So I was a bit confused. Anyway, so I, but I loved his reading. And then I went to Bucharest and met maybe 20 actors there, and Alec being one. And luckily, he'd had his hair cut. And, um, and, and again, I started to work with him. And he's a transformative actor. He's, he's very different to the character. But he, he understood him. And he understood how to have this inner, I guess, um, maternal instinct, this caring without, without looking soft or wet. Um, and uh, he was always my favorite. And, uh, and then we cast Josh. And then, but I knew this film would live or die by that central relationship. So I flew him over to the UK and we did uh, a chemistry test with, with, um, <laughs> with, um, with uh, Josh and Alec. And, and they hit it off brilliantly. And, um, but I knew that actors are very clever and they pretend to get on when they want to get the job. <laughs> so I sent them off for a cup of tea and I hid around the corner and watched them. And they still got on, so I knew it was, it was okay. Um, another question. Uh, gentleman in the middle here. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So wonderful film and great performances. You were talking about cin cinematography, and I wondered whether, because the, the, that lovely arc of the characters that you were talking about, um, whether you had what a lot of people who, shoot, who would be shooting feature films would consider a luxury of shooting chronologically. Yeah, Did yeah, you? yeah, I shot chronologically. Um, for, for a number of reasons, really. Um, firstly, to help the relationship, um, because I saw each of these scenes as building blocks. You know, one very much impacted on the, on the next in that relationship. It also gave me this brilliant opportunity to um, keep the boys apart at the beginning. <laughs> so when, you, when they first meet on screen is kind of the first time they've really kind of worked together because I kept them apart, they live separately. And I wanted to 
get that extra nervousness, that little layer of nervousness that they would bring as actors um, to inform those characters as well. And then once the two boys started off in their relationship and it was all going really well, I moved them into the same house together and they built this beautiful friendship. And then, and so that translated onto screen as well. And then when Georgi leaves, I sent Alec on a holiday to London and Josh was left on his own and was sad and missed his friend. <laughs> and, um, and so when he saw him again, he was happy. <laughs> and... and uh, and then, but it also I wanted that light shift for going from late winter into early spring. And I wanted to see that very subtle shift throughout the film and those green, tiny little green buds starting to come on the trees and, you know, that slight difference. And, and so it was a real luxury to shoot chronologically, but, but I think for this film was re really helped, you know, on many, many levels. Just to, just to, sorry, just to follow that up slightly, is that you've thought about so many things in it and, and, and in the production. Um, whether, where you got the finance for... for yeah, so... so for we, the luxury of that. Yes, we were, we were funded by the BFI primarily. Um, it wasn't a huge budget. It was, I guess they call it a... Um, I'm looking to my producer. They call it a low-budget film. Yes, so it was a <laughs> low-budget film. Um, but we, because we did all the prep and everything, we were able to work very quickly, you know, in terms of the performances and, and the animal stuff actually, you know, um, was not, you know, you, when you see, like, the boys birthing lambs and all of that, that is the boys doing it. But we were working with, you know, the Yorkshire farming mafia through my dad. So it, it actually made it very easy to work with the animals. Um, but, yeah, no, I was, the BFI were incredible. They allowed me to make the film I wanted to make, which I couldn't have asked for more. Thank you. Question there, just behind, or just just grab it behind. That's it. I was just curious how long how long the schedule was, and how you managed to eke out your money in that particular way. I'm assuming you worked with a tiny crew, and that it was put together in a way that enabled you to do that over a period of time. Um, thank you. Uh, so it was a six week shoot. Again, it seems a luxury now, doesn't it? <laughs> anyway, it was a six week shoot. Um, how did they eke out the money? Oh, I've no idea. <laughs> um, I guess, uh, yeah, don't know, um, but they did, and it worked, so that was lovely. Um, another question, anyone this side? Is a gentleman in the middle, in the yellow t-shirt to make the microphone. No, not allowed to, you have to wait till you get the microphone. Thank you. Inquiring about the pot noodles and whether, <laughs> <laughs> and how many did you have to I eat? I think that, that this question should go to you because you had to eat them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, pot noodles actually were, um, again, a lot of thought went into the pot noodles. <laughs> because um, uh, you may have noticed that Johnny, when he gets his pot noodles, the water goes in and he eats. Um, the reality of a pot noodle is that you have to stir it to let it <laughs> take in the water. Um, so uh, every take, I was crunching oh. um, this <laughs> stale, stale pot noodle. 
And uh, Alec had the pleasure of waiting <laughs> and eating a delicious um, uh, pot noodle. No, yeah. Uh, I don't know what the background to, to that... I mean, it's, it's just it was practical. You know, when they go up to Top Fell, it's, it's, um, there's no luxury there. They've got a job to do, so pot noodles are probably the most sensible option, really. I, I have to say that he didn't eat that many of them because um, Josh and Alec are, again, incredible, incredible rare actors where most of this film is one or two takes. You know, I didn't shoot endlessly, so, that, so they didn't... Not they, that many pot noodles. No, I think often afterwards they would say, oh, can we please have a pot noodle properly? (laughs) (laughs) We're hard on set, weren't we? Um, Any more questions? I'm not seeing anyone. I have a question, which is, um, I keep sort of reading in the papers about the, the new British kind of country kitchen sink, which is Hope Dixon leeches the levelling. I haven't yet seen Clio Barnard's Dark River, but it's supposed to be fantastic. And you, so there's these kind of really tough, rural, beautiful dramas. Um, why do you think you, you've all exploded at once? I mean, I, I've no, I don't know, and obviously can't speak for Cleo or Hope, but this is my world. This mm. is where I'm from. This is, this is where I live. Mm. And this was always going to be somewhere I wanted to explore and to do it in an authentic, I would like to say authentic, mm. truthful way as I saw it. Yeah. And so, you know, that's just, that was yeah. just in my DNA. Um, now, we've just got a last couple of questions, and I would like to ask you, Josh, what are you doing next? What sort of offers have you turned down <laughs> since, since being in this film? You, you, can, you, know, you can tell well, us. Well, no. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I'm filming. I actually came down from Glasgow this morning, mm-hmm. um, so I've just started my next project up there. Um, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, I can, I think. Uh, it's a, a film. It's called Only You. And it's myself and Laia Costa, who did... Um, Victor- Victoria, Victoria, yeah. yeah. Um, and that, um, it, th- that kind of looks at uh, a couple trying to conceive um, and the struggles that go along with not being able to do that. Mm. Uh, so that's what I'm working on at the moment. And then, um, yeah, I don't, I don't know uh, where I'll go next. <laughs> Um, But yeah, certainly this film has kind of opened up, uh, I guess, um, opened me up to sort of projects that I've always wanted to do. Mm. um, And also opened me up to the, I guess, a concept of how I like to work Mm. as an actor, which was probably in there somewhere. But I guess working with people like Francis and Alec Mm. um, has allowed me to kind of, I guess, hone... um, uh, a method, I suppose, yeah. which is invaluable. Yeah. And what about you? Can you say what you might be doing next? Um, um, uh, not, uh, not massively. Um, I am. I am. Uh, it is going to be something I've written, and um, it is going to be set in the UK. I imagine it'll be thorough. It will probably be quite <laughs> thorough, um, but it's period. Wow. Yes, okay. and um, it's um, about it, it features no gentleman. Marvelous. Um, and so yes. 
Fantastic. Um, well, on that puzzling note, <laughs> thank you very much, Frank. Thank you. Thank you. For coming.